Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I was in my college student union TV room when the Challenger exploded. I was leaving a federal courtroom trying to get out of a speeding ticket in North Alabama when I heard about 9-11 on the radio. And finally, I'm sad to say that I recall very specifically that I was working for the U.S. Army in a nondescript office while listening to you evaluate and taste test different brands and types of Swiss cheeses. <laughs> By the way, when can we expect the next cheese test? Obviously, it will be at Calvert Woodland. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Okay, we're going we're gonna to not do the normal open now because we want to get Andy Byer on right away. Because tomorrow is, or maybe is not, the Belmont. There was a note in the paper today, Andy, that the governor of New York is holding out the possibility of postponing the Belmont because of the, you know, smoke in the sky. Do you, what would, are you aware of that? What would that do? Do you think yeah, that would well, happen? Well, they, they canceled racing there yesterday. Right. And, uh, I, you know, and the, you know, the, you know, this smoke and air quality is seems to be so changeable that I don't think we can predict. I, I mean, obviously the you know the the track is going to do. Every, I'm sure is uh, praying that uh, that you know the race will go on as scheduled. Uh, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Okay. Well, let's pretend that it's going to go on as scheduled tomorrow. The Derby winner, whose name I have already forgotten is not in the race. Uh, what do you make of that? The Derby winner did go to the Preakness, where it did not win, but not in the Belmont. Right. Well, not only uh, uh, did the Derby winner not uh, uh, go to the Belmont, but uh, of, of the 18 horses in the Derby, 17 decided not not to go to the Preakness. Right. I think all these de- these defections point to some real serious defects in 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 the way the triple crown is structured it's really uh uh you know uh, uh, it, it, it's really got to be rethought uh uh by you know by the tracks running it i mean if i if, if they do name me the czar of racing i i think i would have the answer for them but uh uh, but somebody's, you know, I mean, when 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 horses just don't want to run in these races, there's obviously something wrong. Well, the Preakness winner, uh, the Baffert horse, National Treasure, that horse is in. What did you think of that horse in the Preakness, and what do you, yeah, what what do you think of the horse? You know, everybody who looked at the Preakness uh, <coughs> uh, observed that that. You know, there was, I mean, it, it was kind of a weak field, but there was very little speed in the race. And uh, and National Treasure, uh, with post one and with, with a fair amount of speed, looked as if he had the potential to control the race uh, from start to finish, which is exactly what happened. I mean, and he, uh, you know, he held on to win a uh a photo finish at the end, but I mean, it was it was like a it was a perfect trip. Mm-hmm. Now he could get another good trip, but uh, you know, it's one of my rules as a handicapper when 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 a horse wins a race with with you know with with everything breaking right for him, you don't want to come back and hope that happens a second time in a row. 
There is a horse, Forte. Do I pronounce that correctly, Forte, or is it Forte? Uh, let's say you pronounce it the way uh, a lot of people do, but uh, properly speaking, uh, it is Fort. Fort, okay. And, that, and people have liked this horse all year and wondered about this horse all year. What are your thoughts on that horse? Well, I'm very wary of him. I mean, Fort was the champion two-year-old last year. He's been. He was the Kentucky Derby favorite all through yeah. the spring. He he bruised a, a foot in in Kentucky, and uh, it I, you know it put him on the. It disrupted his training a little bit, but it wasn't all that serious. But you know Churchill had uh, had had this rash of breakdowns uh, that that made you know, bad headlines and, and everybody was being super cautious, you know, about any horse with a problem. And, and so they, they put, uh, you know, Ford on what's called the vets list, which means he can't, couldn't race for 14 days. And then he had to have a workout, basically the disruption, uh, you know, to his, to all his plans, you know, you know, prevented him from running in both the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. And so now he's in the Belmont coming off a 70-day layoff, yeah. uh, which is, <coughs> is, I mean, I could find no precedent for that. And there's no way that uh, that Todd Pletcher would have wanted to do this. I, I My hunch is that the owner was so frustrated by missing these other races that he, that he, he probably said, you know, let, let's, uh, uh, you know, let, let's, let's go win, win the Belmont. But I think Pletcher would have preferred just to recycle him and, you know, and aim for some big races at Saratoga this summer. But I, I just, uh, you know, I think the layoff is just too negative uh, to, to take a, Certainly, to 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 bet Ford as a five to two favorite, which he is in the morning line. So, if you don't like Fort and you don't like National Treasure, who do you like in the Belmont? I think the default choice uh, is Angel of Empire. <clears throat> I mean, you look you look at the horses who've won the Kentucky Derby in the last decade. There's there's a pattern you see a lot. You know, a horse runs in the Derby, skips the Preakness, comes back and runs in the Belmont. And horses who were real slow-breaking horses uh, in the Derby and were, you know, like 15, 20 lengths behind early, when when they fit that pattern, they've done very well uh, in in the Belmont. And, and Angel of Empire is, uh, is one of these plotters. I mean, he was 16th in the early going in the Derby. He finished faster than uh, anybody else and, uh, uh, you know, was only a length and a half behind the winner mage. Um, you know, he's in the hands of one of the top trainers in the country, Brad Cox. And this is, you know, the, the, the horse, you know, un, unlike Ford has, you know, has, you know, had, you know, preparation that uh, really has has gone according to plan. Uh, I, you know, do I love him? No, but uh, 
with the the knocks I've got on the other horses, I have to say he's the one to beat. Thank you so much, Andy. As always, we love talking to you. Thanks, Andy. Bye, Tommy. Andy Byer, boys and girls. Angel of Empire. Okay. From the Tsar of Racing. You know, well, he should be the Tsar of Racing, in fact. So now we'll do the regular open. Uh, Full disclosure, as I'm speaking, it is 8.15 in the morning on Friday. And so I'm sort of waiting on the Djokovic-Alcaraz match. I think a lot of people are waiting on that. That's supposed to start in a half hour at 8.45. I actually think Djokovic is going to win. I don't like Djokovic. I think he's going to win. Wilbon thinks that Alcaraz is going to win. Nigel, who do you think is going to win? I think Alcaraz is going to win. Okay. I just think he's... He's younger, uh, you know. He's he's in better physical condition right now. I think Djokovic is a little banged up, um, and I I don't think Clay is Djokovic's best surface. Even though he's won the yeah. French Open a few times, I think at least once I think he's won it. Um, and I, I just Alcaraz is just playing so well right now. He's just on his ascension, and every time he, he gets to everything, he gets drop shots from the baseline. I mean, he's just he's so creative and he's just tenacious and. Djokovic's best thing he has going for him a lot is he can wear an opponent down. Oh, take it to five sets. I'm in the best shape of anyone on tour. Right, so does I'll... this change if it goes full five? No, because Alcaraz is so young and in such supreme physical condition as well. I don't think. Does it bother you that Djokovic is five and zero oh in tiebreakers? That if you can get to a t- if he can get to a tiebreaker, he wins it. No, I mean, I, I no, it doesn't particularly. You know, because because I think Alcaraz is so good mm-hmm. that that will nullify that. You know, I mean, it's it's five and zero oh until he gets to somebody right. like Alcaraz. So I just okay. yeah, that's that's who I like. Who do you like? I just I find it so interesting to watch Djokovic to see how he loses the first or second set in every match, and then it it doesn't matter. He's willing to give that to you, yeah. And then it's just he's trying to draw out other shots from you and see where what he has to do if and when he gets to those uh, tie breaks. Okay. I should update people on the hockey if they don't know it. Florida stayed alive. Well, it didn't stay. They were not in danger of losing the entire series last night. But if you go down 3-0, oh, yeah. you're probably not going to win. They won. They won at home. They won in overtime. Matthew Kachuk had something to do with it. Baseball was canceled all over the place. Canceled here in Washington, D.C. because of terrible air quality. I believe it's been canceled in New York City as well. Yeah, I think the Mets could have, could have used a uh, cancellation as well. But <laughs> the Mets, the Red Mets, Sox could have as well. The Mets in two successive days through... Scherzer. Scherzer and Verlander and lost both games to the Braves. Lost both games to the Braves. So I can't, and because the Nats didn't play, I can't update you on the fabulous power-hitting surge <laughs> that Dominic Smith is on. Nats not in a good June stretch. Yeah, oh wait, he has one home run and 14 RBI, and we are third of the way through the season. S-I-N-G-L-E. Yeah, yeah I, I would say he's got like two doubles, and he's got 58 hits all together, so he's got like... 55 singles it's 55 singles yeah you know singles are power position first base no plays every inning of every game it is my theory and i don't know if it's true or not because i don't know how to prove it but this should not be hard it is my theory that if he is not if you take all of his at bats and his production with all of his at bats his extra base hits his runs his home runs you know his rbi and all of that i believe he will either be last or or in the bottom five in Major League Baseball in production, given how many at-bats he has had. 
You're looking at me like... No, I'm, I'm beginning to do the math in terms of the relievers. We're now at that point where this season for us is about what we can try and uh, see through young players. Like, I'm, I'm really enjoying Lane Thomas, but yeah. you're looking at Finnegan and you're looking at Harvey and trying to see what you can get for some of those arms yeah. that we've seen tested. So but, you'd get rid of them? I'm not saying I'd get rid of them. It's just that's... I, I look at the market as you, as you think about the extra wild cards and you look at our division in particular... Every team seems like it's still in it. There's like three or four teams in, in both sides that are not, but like it seems harder and harder that you're going to well, see. The Nats aren't in it. I'm, I'm aware right. of that, but it seems harder and harder. Like you have other teams that are still, they're going to be in it pretty late. I, I just think there's going to be a pretty small market for what people want to trade or give up. I misspoke. He has five doubles and 58 hits altogether. So that makes it 52 singles. Yeah. And singles are great. They they add up. They but do, but everyone's there are power positions the in baseball. <laughs> yeah. There's first base, third base, and the outfield. Yeah. These are power positions. Not all outfield positions. If you have two power hitters and one great fielder, like what Victor Robles, who has not now played in about a month. Don't know what happened to Victor Robles. He may have gone. He may have left. I don't know. <laughs> Said I'll be back. That's okay. Because they're doing just as well without him. Yeah. In fact, better. They have more production without him. Were you surprised by what I brought to you this morning? The Snappy Grillers? Yeah. Michael bought the white hot dogs. The upstate oh. New York white hot dogs. You bought them at Wegmans, right? I did. It's the Hoffman's brand. I'm not sure if that is the I best. Don't I'm not I sure don't if that's the... But we're going to make them. We will make them. We have yeah. a birthday to celebrate. Yeah. We'll make the white hot So uh, we're going to make them. So that's very good. Okay. So let me get to, I think, one of the big issues in certainly the eastern half of America now. Well, the north, I guess from about Virginia up, there are these wildfires in Canada the smoke and residue of which have settled like a blanket on New York, New England, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Washington, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Virginia. There was a code purple yesterday. I am unaware of what code... Uh, deep purple, I understand. <laughs> code purple, not Purple so line, much. understand. I understand the purple line. <laughs> you know, I understand purple rain. I understand when Wilbon talks about the purple because of Northwestern. But code purple... I've not heard like, of that. Like, what is that? What Great is that really? for purple haze yesterday on local radio. <laughs> so my sense of yesterday was, well, I don't really have anything to do in the morning. I'm not doing a podcast. Why don't I sneak out and play some golf? Sure. Why don't I get there early? Because course opens at 7.30. Why don't I get there early and play golf? Which is exactly what I did. I got there early. Who did I play with yesterday? Robin Buffalo and Al Serafino. I played with Bob. We, we, we were out there. You know, I, I did pretty well. I shot 47, 44, 91. That's, I'm a 20. Sure. That's, that's about where I ought to be. Did you keep the, uh, the rain screen up in the cart? Try and give yourself yes. better air. Yes. Also, it was pretty chilly. It was le- legitimately yeah, it was chilly. Yes. So um, my mistakes were, my significant mistakes were I could not hit a fairway wood. I just kept topping them. And they didn't go anywhere. And although I could get my gap wedge up in the air, I didn't hit it far enough. I left everything short. But I wasn't real angry. No, I, I was happy to have played. Yeah, we need a game plan for tomorrow, though. I need, you, I need you to play conservative, smart golf, get on the green, give me a, a putt for par. I can't do that. There's I'm, no, I'm taking your five wood. Um, can I just tell you something interesting? This is very interesting. This is so interesting, actually. I'll get back to yesterday in a second. I was talking with Steve Delmar, who's now the head pro at, at Columbia, and I said, who are we playing with? Because Michael and I are playing in the father-son. We were son. late to sign up. Playing in the father-son. I was son. not he, sure dad wanted to play with me in the father-son. Of course I want to play. I couldn't get Pablo. I was Pablo. waiting for the phone call. I couldn't get Pablo. Of course I want to play with him. I'm sure he'll drop down. So... Um, so I said, who are we playing with? And he said, oh, you're playing with T.J. Gardner. 
I, I said, I don't, he says, oh, he's a 10 year old kid. He kills it. He hits it so well. He's a 10 year old kid and he plays the golds and you're going to play on the golds. I said, oh, great. And I walked away laughing, <laughs> laughing out loud that this is my destiny in life to be beaten by 15 <laughs> shots by a 10 year old kid from the same tees. And I was able to think to myself, well, this is what it would be like. When the baby boy Bootsy is 10. Sure. And Michael takes, you know, I mean, I'm seeing the past and the future. It just made, it, when you walk to a tee, everyone sort of idea. separates to you. You're going to play the back tees. You're playing the fronts. And you're just, so, what are you hitting here, TJ? Yeah. But he kills it. Like, I can't hit driver more than 170 yards anymore. Physiologically, I just can't do it. Well, then the only thing you left if for If I you, can do that. The only thing left for you to do is just get in his head. You know? No, I, I'm... Just make I'm, him cry. <laughs> no, that's, that's, I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid that he'll look at me... I believe the T is mine, TJ. ...as this geezer, and, and he'll be upset. And I don't... And his father, who is probably Michael's age, I'm, I'm not... I don't know what to do with it, except laugh. Well, would you it like... It made me laugh. Would you like glassware or shop credit? Yeah, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Laugh. Anyway, so I played yesterday, uh, and then... Um, Michael and Liz called about talking about some events in everybody's lives and, and stuff like that. And they said, where were you? And I said, I played golf. What did you say? So the entire morning, I'm trying to call you. Are you free? Because normally I know your physical therapy schedule yeah. when you're going to the gym. Liz, and I go, maybe he's at the golf course. She goes, there's no way they would let a 75-year-old man out at that club. I'm like, well, you don't know Columbia. Uh, <laughs> and you play. They let four of us out. Yeah. <laughs> Put the flags up. You're ready to go. Oh, yeah. Oh. And you told me I was an idiot, and Liz told me I was an idiot. Yeah, but I also quickly responded by you would like, you would feel it in the moment if you were having str a struggle. You said you felt it when you were practicing. Sure, but but in I was also practicing in a more um, exhaustive way. Like I was I was doing something. You were in a cart. You were yeah, you, yeah. You had time to to sort of catch your breath in between shots. You would have felt it. I and I didn't. I have to honestly say now my so voice is up. raspy. Yeah, that's from so the maybe air. that's it. Maybe that's the but effect. But you also, you don't wear contacts. Like, I can I feel it in my eyes. No. No. Doctor, my eyes. No, I didn't. No. We played. <laughs> we had such a good time. There was nobody behind us. What did, what, what, you came what did your air filter say when you got back to the house? I, you know, oh, it was on in the, the air filter inside the house. The air doctor, I think was on red. Ooh. It was like bad. Yeah, well, well, you also had the windows open. Yeah, I didn't. I did that as well. I, was I didn't like, oh, know it was that bad. Yeah. I, I you could know. see it. So yeah. as a result, we're going to have Jason Samino of the Capital Weather Gang on so we can figure out. Was what, this a boom or bust? What is going on? Yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> so we'll get, to him, we'll get to him next. Yes. Yes. Jason Samino. Next. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Ali Wick, a singer-songwriter from Calgary, Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Former member of the Canada Women's National Rugby Union team, now making wonderful music. She's released an EP that she recorded in Baja, California, in Mexico during an artist residency that Diplo, Anderson Pack, and Alan Stone have also previously done. 
This is called I Don't Want to Hurt. It is sent to us by Teague, who's a good pal um, of Ali Wick, and he's from Calgary. We're going to do two songs from her today. This is called I Don't Want to Hurt. It plays in Jason Salmonow, our friend who the camp is called Sammy from the Capital Weather Gang. Okay, there's four questions. There's only four questions. What is this? How did it get here? How serious is it? And when is it going away? You can take them in any order you want. What, what is right, this? Let's, let's start at the very beginning here. So um, the fires erupted in early June, June 2nd, June 3rd. And this was after a siege of lightning in, in Quebec. And um, the fires were able to spread so fast because it had been really hot in Canada during May. Um, and so that dried out the ground. And so you had the lightning uh, strike and these fires flared up and they just spread uh, at breakneck speed. And um, then what happened was uh, we had this unusual weather pattern develop over the northeastern United States with this big swirly low-pressure system develop over northern New England and Nova Scotia. The winds around that swirl drove that smoke southward into the Ohio Valley, northeast and mid-Atlantic. And here we are. So that's, It's a that, thousand that miles. How did it get? It's a, so... How often does this happen? It's exceptionally rare, actually, because you have to have the right steering currents in the atmosphere. And so we had this unusual pattern where we had this big low pressure system over uh, over the northeast in Nova Scotia. And it was uh, it was kind of just you know, it circulated that air. It's, you know, these these weather systems in the atmosphere, they're big. And this is a big one. And, uh, you know, they, it, they spin counterclockwise. And so it just drove it from north to south. So where I live in Washington, D.C., it's not so terrible compared to the pictures in New York City, compared to a line I read in the paper the other day about Binghamton, where somebody said it looked like Mars because it was completely red. You just you can't see anything and you can smell the smoke up there. I assume this is terrible. And however unhealthy it is here, it's got to be more unhealthy in, in New York and New England, right? Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, they had basically, you know, like off-the-chart air quality readings up there, you know, code maroon. I mean, we had code red and code purple here in D.C., but they had the uh, the top-tier worst conditions up there and, you know, air quality index values over 400. And so that's very unhealthy stuff, and you're right. You can kind of taste the air under those circumstances. You can smell it. It irritates your eyes. And, of course, the... Uh, the bigger concerns is for people who have respiratory issues. It gets into your lungs, and so that can cause both short-term and longer-term uh, damage. So, um, yeah, air quality health effects are the real deal, and uh, especially for vulnerable folks. So this morning, right now, the sky where I live looks much brighter, much better, much cleaner. Is this thing gone? Is it going away? Might it come back, I don't know, by 5 o'clock like it did yesterday? <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely uh, fading away somewhat. Um, smoke's still coming in. It's just more diffuse. It's not as uh, dense as it was. So uh, definitely some improvement. You know, we're, we're code yellow here in the D.C. area today. We might peak at you know, code orange. So you know, it's still kind of circulating a little bit. But um, I think over the weekend, uh, we'll continue to improve. So that's the good news. Now, to your, to your other question about you know, could this happen again, uh, it's not out of the question, actually, because, you know, as long as these fires are burning up in Canada, if you get the right steering currents in the atmosphere, you could see some of the smoke coming back. Now, will it be as bad as what we saw 
you know, Wednesday and Thursday, probably not. I mean, that was a statistically unusual event, you know, I don't know, like one in 50 year type of thing. Um, but again, because we've got the fires up there and there's some possibility that, you know, with a hot, dry summer up there, they could get worse again. Um, again, all it takes is the right winds or the right wind direction and uh, you can get smoke back in here. I don't mean to sound like an imbecile here, but I'm old enough to remember when there were no restrictions on burning things anywhere you wanted to burn them. I'm old enough to remember when if you lived in Pittsburgh, you would inhale this stuff every single day because the mines, you know, there was, it was just on all the time. In that context, how serious is this? Or are we saying it's very serious for the way we live now, but it's not necessarily as serious as that kind of pollution? I think you're exactly right. So what's interesting is that um, the smoke pollution levels we've been seeing the last couple of days, they're, they're record-setting in the past couple of decades, as long as we have these air quality measurements. But before the Clean Air Act of 1970s, so you're talking about in the 1960s, and yeah. even before the, those uh, regulations really started to take hold in, in the 70s, um, air quality was worse. And we've seen remarkable improvement in air quality uh, since the 60s and 70s across the board of the United States. I mean, the EPA puts reports out on this every year, and there's just massive improvement. The visibility is better. The air we breathe on balance is better. But having said that, you know, with climate change intensifying, the heat and uh, fires getting worse, now we've got to worry about smoke pollution a little more. So even though, you know, tailpipe emissions have improved, uh, uh, industrial factory emis- uh, emissions have improved, uh, you know, smoke is becoming a bigger deal. Of course, Californians know that all too well. So yesterday, starting at 7.30 and ending at around 11, somebody I know very well, me, was out playing golf. And, okay. and my son and his wife <clears throat> told me I was an idiot. And it, it's code purple. I, have no idea what, I had no idea what code purple meant or anything like that. Am I risk, did I risk damage? I seemed to be fine. It, it would seem to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a I'm not a health expert, but I think you know under those circumstances, you know, especially if you wear a mask, you're going to protect yourself by uh, because those tiny particles. I wore a mask for mask. two holes, and I doubled both those holes, so I took the mask <laughs> off. I thought it was bad luck. You know, I think it's you know it, it's it's a it's a risk tolerance type of thing. I mean, if you did this, if you played golf every day in those conditions, you might risk some longer term damage. But again, you'd have to ask an epidemiologist or a health expert or someone like that to, to get more specific. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a minimal occasional exposure, you're probably going to be fine. I mean, you know, some people live in this all the time and, and they're OK. Yeah. It depends on it depends on your background health and, you know, a, a whole bunch of other factors. But pace of play was great. Pace of play was great. There was nobody on the course. <laughs> no, everything everything was really good. Can I play tomorrow? I'm in a tournament. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I think we're looking good. I mean, already we've improved the code yellow. We might, okay. we might be. You know, again, there might be a little bit of smoke filtering in and out, but on balance, we're going to be uh, in better shape over the weekend. Thank you, Jason. Thank you very you much. You bet, Jason Salmon, no of the Capital Weather Gang, which I read religiously in the Washington Post. Love that stuff. We're going to take a break going to come back with Greg Cody. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Ali Wick. Teak Sato sent this. He says, hello, hello from Cowtown, which is Calgary, I guess. <laughs> you were previously kind enough to play a song by the 427s, a surf noir band that my friend Eve Hell used to be part of. Tony really liked the track, so I hope this latest submission will also be to everyone's liking. This is Allie Wick with a song called Obituary. She has a lovely voice. She does. She really does. Michael, if people like Allie Wick want to send in their original music to be played on the podcast, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Do we have a code we can use for Johnny yes, O? Yes, Johnny O. Uh, the U.S. Open at LACC is just around the corner. Celebrate with John O'Donnell by rocking some uh, J.O. gear. Uh, TK Captain 1 is working, is ready to go. Picked up some polo shirts for Tony. Yeah, I'm so nice. happy about that. Michael made me promise I'd throw out... If I got new, I'd throw out old. I said, I don't throw out old. Do they still work? Yeah. They, and I he mean, brings they, them to the beach. So, yeah, that's what I do. Greg Cody joins us from Miami, the center of the sporting universe now. And last week we talked with Greg, and we talked about both the Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers being in the finals, which is a, a remarkable coincidence considering they're both eight seeds. Like, this has never happened before. And then a couple of days ago, Lionel Messi – who, even if you're like me and you don't know anything about soccer, you know this guy, he announced that he was not going to take all the Saudi money, but he was going to instead go to MLS and go to Miami and play for, I guess the team is called Inter-Miami. That that's feels like sort of a bombshell, does it not? Yeah, it's an international bombshell. Um, when I'm trying to fathom all this in, in columns I'm writing this week, I'm I'm thinking that, you know, that uh, the heat in the NBA finals is huge in America. Yeah. Uh, Messi, Messi uh, signing with Inter-Miami is huge from Afghanistan to Zimbabwe. I mean, it's just, you know, in, in every burg of the planet where soccer is followed, which is most of them, this is seismic news. And, and I likened, um, I said the last thing that happened down here that was comparable was in 2010 when LeBron James yeah. famously announced he was taking his talents to South Beach. But that was NBA big. That was American big. Messi to Miami is globally big. So I was in New York. I was working in New York when Pelé announced that he was going to play for the New York Cosmos in the North American Soccer League, which was a precursor to the MLS League. And, and it was a real big deal. Now, there were predictions about what was going to happen as a result of this that never came true. Because this is the United States of America. <clears throat> it's not soccer first here. Everybody said, oh, we'll be in the World Cup. Oh, we'll win the World Cup. Well, no, that never happened. So I don't yep. want to make this more, much more important than it is, although it's obviously very important in Miami. What sort of crowds is this team usually getting? And, and what I would imagine that they're going to sell out every single place they go for a couple of years. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They, they instantly are playing in way too small a stadium. Yeah. You know, they're, they're building a brand new stadium in, in Miami near the airport uh, called Miami Freedom Park. That won't be ready for another couple of years. Meantime, they're playing at, uh, at a stadium in Fort Lauderdale that's a bandbox. It seats like 17, 18,000, right. way too small for Leon Messi. Um, they're going to play elsewhere. They have to, um, you know the the game. Will they play where the Dolphins play? 
Well, I, I, I think it's a possibility that they would look to play some matches there because their home stadium right now is just comically yeah. small for a messy game. Uh, the, the, when they play the L.A. team in MLS later this season, that game has already been moved to SoFi Stadium, the football stadium out there. And that's what you're going to see, I think, because you have to have the biggest stadium possible for Messi, especially now when it's all new, when people, you know, when the the excitement is brand new and, and Americans are getting used to the idea that, wow, Messi is actually playing in MLS. Are you kidding me? This was un. This was unimaginable until it actually happened. So I'll give you an anecdotal piece here. I was playing golf the other day, and I go to the shack where George, who is a big soccer fan, who is Latin, a huge soccer fan, has soccer on on the TV there all the time. He looked at me, and and he had heard this news, and he says, I want you to understand something. I will go to Florida to watch those games. I have to see Messi. I think that soccer people feel this way, and I, I guess I'm asking: Did Messi is is Miami considered a soccer city? Is that why he chose there instead of someplace else? Well, you know, it's the gateway to the Caribbean. Uh, Messi owns uh, a, 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 an oceanfront condo down here. Oh, uh, his family vacations down here. He loves the area. Uh, I, I think that's a big part of it, um, and and they have great ownership down here. David Beckham is is involved with this group, and he's known Messi for years, and they're putting together, you know, with the help of MLS major sponsors like Apple Plus TV and and Adidas, they're putting together a package uh, that that makes him welcome here financially. You know, it, maybe it doesn't compete with Saudi money. But it's enough uh, to make him smile. And so this was the right time for him, I guess. I thought, and a lot of people thought, that there would be a way for him to work it out to go back to Barcelona. But what I think is going to happen is he's going to play a couple of years in Miami. And then there's going to be an arrangement where he can go on loan back to Barcelona on the cheap and finish his career sort of ceremonially uh, with the club that raised him from age 13. I think that's what's going to happen. So he's 35. Pelé was 35 when he came here. They're past their prime. I mean, they may not be much past their prime, Greg, but they're past their prime. But American audiences aren't really going to know the difference, are they? Well, I, I'm old enough to have been around when Pelé came down here, and I covered the Fort Lauderdale Strikers in the old NASL days. Yeah. And, and Pelé was past his prime, and nobody denied it. And he was here for name value, and it worked. Um, Messi, you could argue, is on the end of his prime for certain, but he just led a team to a World, World Cup, Cup last yeah. summer. Yeah. You know, and, and although he had a rough two seasons with Paris Saint-Germain, there's an argument that he's still – that's part of the, the controversy in Europe is that, oh, Messi still has so much to give, and now he's taking the easy road by going to inferior competition in MLS. So the thought is, you know, he can still play top-level soccer, and, and he should dominate in MLS, um, along with other players he's going to bring down here. Um, Inter-Miami stinks, okay? They're, they're terrible this year. Last time I looked at the standings, they were in last place in the MLS Eastern, MLS Eastern Conference. They're awful. Uh, he doesn't care. He's going to come here. They're going to start winning. 
They're going to start selling out, selling a million T-shirts. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, everything is right down here all of a sudden. Well, let me ask this, though. <clears throat> there was always the notion that because there was a vibrant Cuban community in South Florida, that baseball, which meant so much in Cuba, would sell out all over the place. The attendance stinks for the Marlins, and it has for a long time. Is there, you know, I, I guess what I'm getting at is you just can't look demographically at something and automatically make an assumption that everybody's going to go and everybody's going to care. But we make that about Messi, right? We make that assumption. Yeah, we do, because I think there's a track record down here. Uh, when, when there's an international match at Hard Rock Stadium, uh, whether it's Messi playing in it or whether it's just two other international clubs of stature. Right. There's 50,000 people here, 60,000 people. There is a track record of us supporting international soccer. Uh, South okay. Florida market, TV rating for the World Cup are always in the top three in the country. Um, I think the, the embedded love of soccer down here is greater than it is for baseball. And, you know, my joke the past couple of weeks is that the Miami Marlins have picked a really bad time to be pretty good because nobody's paying attention. They have a right. 400 litter, they're winning, and nobody cares because right now it's all messy, heat, and Panthers. Yeah, so I'll just I'll get you out of here on these things. Uh, Panthers saved it last night in, in overtime. Uh, the heat got beat pretty significantly in, in game three. Um, yeah. They got to shoot to win. What are your thoughts on both those teams now and, their, and the viability of winning? Yeah, the Heat, um, you know, uh, Murray and Jokic are too good. I, I, when I look at Denver, I see a better team yeah. than the Heat right now, particularly with Tyler Hero still out, a scoring uh, option they absolutely need. If the Heat are not, you know, hitting 18 free throws, uh, and or not free throws, but three-point shots, and, and hitting 50% from three, I don't give them much of a shot in this series. Uh, I, I, I consider the Heat a long shot to win this series. I think the Panthers have a better shot to beat Vegas. And the weird thing about saying that is that they were two minutes and 13 seconds last night from out from being down 3-0, and yeah. which is an absolute death knell right. in the NHL playoffs. Yeah. You know what's interesting for you? You have stuff to write about. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like a big box of stuff to write about, right? Every day you can write, right? Uh, it's incredible. Uh, you know, I pick up my phone now and I go, center of the sports universe, can I help you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's, there's so many things I can't write about right now. The, the Dolphins are really, really good. I haven't written a Dolphins column in a couple of months. The Marlins are good. I can't write about them. Um, there's so much to write about, and it's stuff people care about. You know, Messi, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals. It's the best time in South Florida sports history down here. And and when we say center of the sports universe, it's sort of true right now. It is. You're going to have like a two-week run where it's true. It's totally true. Thank you, Greg. Anytime, Tony. Greg Cody, boys and girls. Greg's got his own podcast, doesn't he? Yeah, of course he does. With his kid. Yeah. Uh, we will take a break. What have we got next? Do we have email and jingle when we return? I'm Tony Kornheiser. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's. Tony's mailbag. He got your emails, faxes, and your notes. He's gonna read some mail for all you folks. It's Tom Goddard. Don't we wish we could all do that? Don't we? <laughs> yes. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad for us, please? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to Bethesda... I'm sorry. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com. Never heard you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Take two. (laughs) Go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop one in and you will be thrilled. So before we get to the mailbag, (laughs) let me just say I got something to say that might cause you pain. If I catch you talking to that boy again, I'm going to let you down and leave you flat. Going to let you down. (laughs) Because I told you before, you can't do that. So... Nigel yesterday said, I'll just give you the first line. I then proceeded to do the entire <laughs> the song. Entire song. <laughs> the entire song. Yes. Everybody's green because I'm the one that got your love. But if they'd seen you talking that way, they'd laugh in my face. So please listen to me. Anyway. <laughs> do you guys just do lyrics when Wilbon's uh, late for set? Most of the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks to our guests today, Andy Byer, Jason Samino, Greg Cody. Thanks to our sponsors today, Grammarly, Trade Coffee, Game Time. Uh, remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. From Michael Granberry, thanks so much for playing the music of the great Amy Speece the other day on oh, Monday's show. It was great. I was thrilled that she was thrilled to have her music played, but now I must tell you about my own bizarre lachiserie moment that unfolded last Friday on the western edge of Plano, Texas, where I live. It began by going to get a haircut. I called up the haircut place a few days before to make an appointment. The woman who answered said the guy who used to cut my hair had moved no longer worked there. So she said, I recommend Derek. Not being fussy about such things, I said, sure, Derek, it is. No more than five minutes into my first ever conversation with Derek, we start talking about podcasts. I tell him my favorite is the Tony Kornheiser show. He does a major double take. He looks absolutely stunned. The cheeserie, he shouts, (laughs) drawing stunned looks from customers and haircutters nearby. Oh, my God, he said. This is my own ultimate David Aldridge moment. Turns out he's been listening for years. And yes, he heard episodes of which you have graciously played the music of my favorite artists and friends. was truly amazing. I could use a haircut. Scissor cut on top, maybe three on the sides. (laughs) There you go. Uh, From Frank Kelly. (laughs) Mr. Tony, Bob Ryan's forgotten questioner, Frank Kelly from Situate Mass, here with another one of those coincidences. In the late 60s, one of our neighbors was being transferred from California to here on the Irish Riviera. The wife of the family owned a 1967 yellow Mustang convertible. Alas, the company would only provide transport for one family car, and with five kids, the station wagon got the nod. The father tried unsuccessfully to sell it for its true value, but had no bids. My old man told him he'd give him something like $1,000 or $1,500 for it if he couldn't move it. The day the family moved the Mustang slid into our two-car garage next to a 65 Chevy Impala convertible. The old man loved him. 
Fast forward a couple of years and the old man is tired of driving the lightweight Stang, the 35 miles from home to BC where he's a professor in the snowy winters and is going to trade it in. My mom grabs her oldest child, me, 17 at the time, and said, if you work for the summer to pay the insurance, you can have the car. Stupid, moronic me said, that's okay. I'm just going to play golf and go to the beach all summer. <laughs> 50 years later, I cannot believe how stupid I was. But as the ads say, but wait, there's more. The old man bought a beautiful yellow and brown with a, a beautiful yellow with brown Landau roof, 1972 Mustang Grand. In July of 74, when the first of the Mustang twos were coming out, he told me this car was going to be a classic. And he was going to hold on to it for years. About a month later, number one son, me with two good friends, and on his way to pick up his prep school roommates in Hanover, New Hampshire, to head to Montreal, rolled a 72 Mustang Grand down an embankment on, embankment on I-89 in New Hampshire. My younger brother rode with the old man to pick us up, said he never saw Dad so mad, until he got to the tow yard and saw the totaled car, knowing how close he was to losing me and my friends. One last thing, after the Bob Ryan story last year, Chuck and Roxy's people in person reached out to me about being on their pod. I didn't think I was podcast worthy at the time, but after hearing most of them, who was I kidding? I fit in fine. Just my, missed my chance to be something like number 47. I could have been top 20. That's very good. That's actually really good. Um, on that same topic, from Michael from Columbia, I was flying to the Student Veterans of America conference in Orlando this past January when I had this exchange with my seatmate who commented on my TK show hoodie. Him, what show is that? Me, are you a little? Him, a what? Me, are you from Maryland? Him, no. Me, did you go to Mount St. Joseph's High School in Baltimore? Him, what? And I'm from Orlando. Stop talking to me after that. What a small world. That's funny. Come on. That's funny. From Rocky Rakovic oh, we love in Jersey Rocky. City. I'm trying to get ahead of my Father's Day shopping. For Johnny O, should I use the code Pablo? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Jolene Wojcik. Once again, I believe Tony had that. It's about the money. Damn it. I'm so disappointed I have no words. <laughs> from Jen Knutherai, formerly from Pittsburgh, now of Sterling, Virginia. I can't tell you how happy it made me to say we know Jen. Yeah. Funny you should ask about my husband's response to the ice cream dilemma. The day I came home and immediately jumped into a detailed account of the grocery store adventure. adventure. He continued to stare blankly at me, and so I asked him what was wrong. His response was, I didn't need ice cream. It's been upsetting my stomach. Plus, I thought you, I told you I was getting a pie. You didn't have to pick one up. Needless to say, I now question his sense of taste. At least his new suit is from Indochino and used the code, so there's hope from him, for him. From Dr. Stanley Daniel, Louisville, Kentucky. I don't care for the sound of a harpsichord, and I thought you'd like to know. <laughs> from you. Thomas Benjamin in Issaquah, Washington. I wrote in during the pandemic about getting a free Peloton shirt for completing my first 100 rides shortly after hearing Michael had reached that same milestone. The content of my message stated that I, a size 2XL, washed and dried the shirt one time and it yep, shrunk perfectly medium. to fit my, small, my size small wife. And I cautioned Michael about making the same mistake I, I did. Mistake. And I asked Michael, how's the shirt fitting? That's no longer my shirt. The shirt has been passed out. It's Liz's shirt. Right, so there you go. Alex Lau. I don't think you've ever had a more revealing podcast episode named than John Kerry doesn't windsurf alone. <laughs> Anyone who didn't know upon reading the name of that episode that they were going to get treated to another installment in the life and times of Luke Russert cannot truly call themselves a little. He never disappoints, and I'm sure his book doesn't either. Old Sport, he writes. This is Hampton Nager. The thing about taking a vacation is that the intros and outros are anything but. It's Monday, and much like every day since a week ago, my phone is ringing off the hook. My email is filled with the deadline complaints of the usual assortment of crabs, bedwetters, and confidence men. And for good measure, my backyard is a lunar landscape until the drains work again. Please, God, no rain. The difference between today and last week, though, 
is now I have an out-of-office message to give all of them, <coughs> excuse me, the old TK salute, and I get to finally listen to last week's shows from the sensory deprivation tank I'm using until the beer kicks in. So I just want to give all due and proper to you and the crew for an utterly fantastic Friday show. Really good job out of you. I could talk about Mustangs and Sky Bars or even Air... Air- Evandrelix's daddy issues, and I'd love to see UFO talk become a weekly segment, but really, capping Saliza's debt ceiling discussion with your observation that we had money once in the 90s, what happened? That's why we're here. <laughs> Chef's kiss, Paisan. Recently touring with George Clinton under name, stage name Unbelievably Funky Object, I am. Hampton Nagel, Dallas, Texas. From PJ in Chicago. Sweet corn from New Jersey? Come on, man. What are we even doing out here? <laughs> Ah, uh, okay. We could do one more, right? Sure. Can we do one or two more? Yeah. This is from Neil Freed. I have a one in a million where you can relate to the setup. Many years ago, I was in the back of a New York City cab in Manhattan with two associates trying to get into the Midtown Tunnel on our way to LaGuardia to fly back to D.C. Of course, it was 5.30 p.m., the height of rush hour, and eight lanes go down to two to enter the tunnel. I know you've been stuck there. One of my associates had the idea that we should have dinner in Manhattan, give traffic a chance to die down, catch a later flight. That was in the good old days of the Eastern Shuttle when you could do that. Steve had a real desire for Peking Duck, and I mentioned that my wife and I had been in Manhattan a few months earlier to have dinner with friends, and they took us to the restaurant known for having the best Peking Duck in New York City. Unfortunately, I came up blank when I tried to remember the restaurant. I may have been overserved, and I couldn't remember the name of the restaurant or even where it was. While trying to remember, I looked out the back window of the cab, and who was driving the car right behind us? Yes, Debbie, the friend who took us to the Peking Duck restaurant. I jump out of the cab, walk back one car, ask Debbie the name of the restaurant, tell her to give my regards to Chris, and off we go to the best Peking Duck in New York City. You can't make this story up. From Thomas Callahan. My name is Tom. I live in Fredericksburg, Virginia. My dad's name is also Tom, and this is a one in a million story. Is a story of his. I've heard it at every cookout for the last 10 years, so I got it down pat. Don't worry. For his job back in 2012, he traveled to Israel as an American diplomat for official business. One day, he rode in an armored car with a bunch of other folks in the middle of the Israeli desert. They had a meeting in a bunker. He went underground, quite literally, for this briefing, but before this meeting with the Israeli officials started, he asked for some water. His Philly accent was on full display. Across the table where he sat was a female Israeli officer. She shouted in perfect American English, Oh my God, did you say water? <laughs> said, yeah, I said water. I'm from Philly. Water. She goes, where? He says, Bucks County. She says, you went to Neshaminy? Is that how that's pronounced? Sure. High school? Neshaminy High School, didn't you? He goes, yeah, class of 78. Who are you? Do I know you? She says, well, you knew my big sister. Long story short, the Israeli official was the little sister of my dad's junior prom date. <laughs> In 1977, when she saw his name ahead of the meeting, she thought it was just a coincidence. But the water, he said, proved who he was. His family was Jewish. She had moved to, her family was Jewish. She had moved to Israel after college to start a family. She just happened to go into the same career as him, but over there. 36 years after a lame prom date that he never talked to again, my dad runs into our little sister for work in Israel in a desert bunker. My family and I love your show in PTI. Thanks for all the good laughs. If you're out on your bike tight, everyone is always to wear white. I hate bananas. I hate squirrels. I hate pumpkins. I hate watermelon. I like olives. I love coming <laughs> bears. It's already been one month. I might be moving on. Moments in between don't hurt anymore. I can go to bed without knocking on your memory door. There's even another guy. Grandma's already too excited. Is my into happiness growing too fast? Do I owe more sadness to our past? Don't wanna hurt, but I don't wanna heal. Cause if I do, you won't be here. Been with me for so 
kisses Say I'm over you, but I just mean the bad parts Good ones make forking you so hard You don't wanna hurt, but I don't wanna hear you Cause if I do, you won't be here Been with me for so long Not ready to move on Don't wanna hurt, but I don't wanna hear you Cause if I do, you won't be here But I'm sorry You f- 
the time. Respectfully, I was hoping you were dead. Now that I'm saying it out loud, it's not a good look on me. But that is... Uh, I'll stop talking now.